Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 99, a gender conversation part two. 99. Yeah. Red balloons. <laughs> Hello, my name is Lori Krieg and I am the executive director of Hole in My Heart Ministries. And we are coming at you from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I am alongside licensed therapist, Argyle expert, and my husband, Matt Krieg. Welcome, Matt. Hello. Good to be here. Glad to have you. We also have our producer and the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. I'm happy to be here too, and I'm happy that Matt is back. He with us. is. Yep, back. Missed the last one. Yeah. It's your He's son. Sad. <laughs> Not really his son. People who never listen aren't going to get that. They're just very similar, guys. You can hear that. Uh, but today we are having another conversation about gender. Now, the purpose of our podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. But for it to be good news for everyone every day, we need to make sure we're talking about and including everyone. So we most frequently speak about sexuality in the gospel because for too long, it's been taboo. It's like there was this gospel out there for like acceptable church sins. And then the church started talking about like straight porn, which was great. And that and the gospel is good news for like men who are struggling with that. But now we're in this phase where we need to make sure that everyone, whatever they're wrestling with, if it's sexual issues, if it's wrestling with their gender, um, we need to make sure that we're talking about how the gospel is good news for them as well. So why we talk about it so much here is, well, we're trying to make up for lost time. (laughs) So Mm. we've not talked about it for decades. So now we're going to be doing it more. And I'm so excited for us to get equipped. And so today... We have another valuable gender conversation where we can learn. So if you guys missed, you heard part two. It's You didn't miss. There wasn't one between Dana Gresh and this one. That was part one. This is actually from way back, episode 41 with Kat LaPrairie uh, and Kathy Bush. And so we're going to be doing part two. And who knows, maybe we'll have part three. But it's with our friend, Heather Scriba. Heather, welcome. Hey, thanks, guys. I'm super excited to be here. Well, I'm super excited to have you. It was fun. Uh, We were chatting online and you were sharing some things that you're walking through wrestling with. And I was like, hello, we need to get Heather's story (laughs) on here. So uh, for those of you who do not know Heather, she's originally from Michigan. Hey, from Detroit, right? That area? Yeah. Okay. Well, Traverse City then moved to Detroit. Traverse City. Yeah, West Side originally, so I feel you on the Grand Rapids end. Yes, we love Grand Rapids. Um, But now you're in Indianapolis, and you're on staff with Walls Down Ministry, which we interviewed Ty and his wife. I can't remember her name right now. What's her name? Rachel. Rachel. Ty and Rachel Weiss. uh, We did that season one about their marriage, but... Heather, she is passionate about navigating the intersection of faith, gender, and sexuality. And in addition to ministry, she works full-time at an autism therapy clinic, awesome, studies applied behavior analysis in grad school, and is a coffee, peanut butter, and running enthusiast. Okay, what are you running? What are you training for right now? Well, actually, I had hip surgery back in May, so I am training to be able to train. So I'm just building up. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of getting back in the grind. So. Oh, man. Well, when you have gotten back, I mean, I'm trying to post baby, get back into it, but it'd be super fun to do a race together. I mean. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's not that far. All right. Well, let's learn a little bit more about you in addition to all these amazing things that you've done. Um, So we're going to start with our question of the week from last week. Heather. What or who makes you laugh the most lately? 
You know, I was actually really stuck on this question. I was like, it should not be that hard to like think about when I laugh. Oh, yeah. So maybe I need to reevaluate what I'm doing in my life. Oh. But I was just thinking about like, I have been so fortunate with my community in Indianapolis. Mm. And every time I thought about it, I was like, oh my gosh, like this person at church, like I just love when they like do this and it makes me laugh or the kids that I'm at work with mm. or my coworkers. And so it's just like seeing the people that are in my life now. I'm like, I have been so blessed with so many amazing people. And I just, yeah, like they are what makes me smile and laugh more than anything else. So. Wow. Wow. That sounds like the future of eternity. Where we <laughs> oh my gosh. Have right. If, like, if this is a taste of what community in heaven is going to be like, then mm. I, yeah, then I can't wait. Mm. So good. Matt, what listener stood out to you? Yeah. I really, really liked what Tim had to say on Facebook. And he said, true confession, still find myself laughing most at old office and Big Bang Theory reruns. Guilty <laughs> pleasure, I know. And I, I really like that because literally this week, I found myself going on YouTube and looking up Jim pranking Dwight pranks, yes. like when, when he wraps his, uh, his desk in wrapping paper and, and all that kind of stuff and takes his identity and does the whole Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> everything and and just so yeah the office all those reruns all that everything is just kind of the it's it's so timeless it seems like for me Mm -hmm. steve uh i liked what jennifer said road trips with my husband we're super different from each other except that we both have this snark whimsy that comes out when we're in the car reading billboards and road signs listening to the radio and riffing off of previous road trip ridiculousness probably nobody else would find any of it funny but it makes us laugh our heads off yeah i liked that and i kind of relate my wife and i have kind of a strange sense of humor that i don't feel like anybody else would relate to she let me know about a blogger named matthew pierce i don't know if anybody's heard of him his blog is called matthew pierce evangelical thought leader <laughs> and it's all just it's like the babylon b on steroids oh, you know? funny. There you so go. very funny yeah that's that's us I liked what Lori had to say. She said, my kids, they're teenagers now, and they're so smart and witty. I love it. We're even thinking of doing a family podcast. So, Mm. I mean, her name is Lori, and (laughs) her kids make her laugh, and they're doing a podcast. So, uh, I was down with what she had to say, uh, because my kids crack me up all the time, especially the second-born, Juliet, who we affectionately call Juju or Juge. I just was like eating dinner the other day and I look over and she's three, like a fresh three. And she's pulling on her face, acting like a senior citizen. And she's just walking around with her hunchback. She don't care that a single person's watching her. She is just doing her own jokes in her head. And she's just walking around and walking around. I'm laughing and laughing. And I keep waiting for her to like break character and be like, ha ha, I made you laugh, mom. No. Then she picks up some pieces of cheese, slaps them on her eyes. And she's just walks around with cheese on her face and doesn't care if we're laughing or not. So I think my kids crack me up. It's true. Okay. And I knew you would take that one, so I didn't take it (laughs) because it makes me laugh too. But we have to be cautious because she does make us laugh, but then like Gwen, the oldest, she is more serious and thoughtful. I relate to her a lot. And so we have to like affirm her in her gifting that maybe isn't as just jokey, but has her definite gifts. (laughs) Okay, Heather, you've got some gifts too. 
and I want to hear them and I want to hear uh, some of your story and heart. And so I know we're going to dive more into your story with succeeding questions, but this first set, you know, it's coming to you about the gospel. When, if that gospel is, I'm more loved than I can imagine and yet more sinful than I believe. When was that gospel first good news for you and how is it still? Yeah. So it would actually be my freshman year of college, I was 19. And I mean, I had grown up going to church. Um, but I had always just like due to family difficulties and tension, I'd always perceived God as very just mean and like lurking over my shoulder, ready to catch me doing something wrong. And Mm -hmm. so all of my freshman year of college, I was actually going to, um, I mean, after avoiding going for like six weeks, coming up with all of these excuses, I finally went to an all-campus gathering with the campus ministry. And the message that night was called the music of the gospel. Hmm. And the premise of it was that if you are trying to dance, but you don't have music in the background, it's exhausting. You're kind of just like going through the motions and doing weird things that don't make any sense. Hmm. But if you hear the music, dancing falls into a rhythm and it becomes fun. It be- becomes something that you want to invite other people into. And it actually like gives you joy. And like when you're enthusiastic about something, even if you're expending energy, your energy levels still like you get that like excitement from it that actually brings your energy up and brings your enthusiasm up. And I remember hearing that message and I was like, I have never heard people talk about a relationship with God like that before. And whatever they have, I want that. And it just like opened up this part of my heart to be softened to what God was saying. And I, and I just remember feeling like I can be in relationship with God and have it actually be enjoyable. He's not a buzzkill. He's not lurking over my shoulder. He's not angry. And like all of the hypocritical junk that I remember from my past was like, that's not God. I'm mm-hmm. projecting these things onto God, but like, that's not who he is. And so just like this flip there, the switch flipped and I was like, okay, I'm ready. And like this good news is actually good news. It's not just a ticket that gets me into heaven, but it's like a relationship with like a fun, joyful, friendly, welcoming and safe God. Hmm. And I think that's just like in the second half of the question, like, how is it good news still? Like, it's still good news because like all of those things still hold true and like, God never just settles for salvation. He is always like, he is truly redeeming everything. And I see like these parts, like even with my story with gender, like spoiler alert, I transitioned (laughs) and have detransitioned. And even with restoring my gender, I remember feeling like, okay, God, like I will settle for just going back and living by Heather and using female pronouns. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like I'm going to redeem every single part of your femininity not necessarily how you expect it to be done, but exactly how I promised to restore it. And so it's just like this constant, like salvation was just the starting point and everything else is just like a catalyst for restoring everything else. And so just to see that faithfulness um, in parts of my life that I had given up on, to see him not give up on those has just been, I mean, it's always good news. Yes, so good. And Heather, I'm already hearing in your story, God's order of operations, 
You know, when you're in school and you learn like the order of operations and how to like divide, multiply, you know, the succeeding. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Yeah, is that yeah, it? yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, the parentheses, Matt could go yeah, through it. Parentheses, the, exponents, multiplication, division, addition, subtraction. Nice. All that? Very, yes, Matt, exactly that. Sorry, I'm a nerd. Yes. Huge nerd. Good, you are. <laughs> I obviously need a math lesson because. Yeah, math. <laughs> he's the mathlete. Um, but Heather, what you're saying is your heart was arrested by the music of the gospel. Like that was God's first area that he was leaning in, even though you grew up in the church. But so many times I run into people that are like, all they see is gender, 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 or all they see is sexuality, sexuality, sexuality. And they're like, I'm like, you know what? God might want to be working on them just and usually it's, I feel like it's almost 99.9% of the time. It's, he wants people to know how loved they are, that they get this gospel thing, which empowers and, and moves toward that sanctification. But we know what he wants to work on. And, and it's often not what <laughs> we say is, uh, needs to be the order. Right. And to like, think that I, in, I'm like, I'm lucky to know, like, sort of have an idea of what I need or like need to work on or need to hear let like to even think that I have any idea what someone else needs to like work on in their life. I'm like, Jesus, please just like, tell me what you have, what's what you have next for me Mm. before I even go and like, assume that I know what someone else needs. Like, Mm. oh my gosh. (laughs) Dang. Okay. Well, this season in the Whole in My Heart podcast, we're really trying to get practical and being really like intentional as far as giving people next steps. So I'm going to start practical, then we're going to dive more into your story, especially what you said, you transition, then detransition. That's interesting. Um, but before we, and as we dive in, whenever I'm walking with someone who says they wrestle with gender dysphoria or identify as transgender or something in that world, I automatically, I ask in a hopefully graceful way, I'll say, hey, thanks so much for sharing that with me. Can I ask what pronouns do you prefer? Now, that's a behavior level thing. That's not a heart level thing. Uh, Can it be fruit of a heart? Totally. But I will talk, I will accept and love people where they are at the behavior level, the pronouns, the preferred pronouns all day long so that I can get heart to heart. So, Heather, what pronouns do you prefer? Yeah, I appreciate you asking. Most people, I feel like still are really uncomfortable with that. So I appreciate like you breaking through that level of like discomfort. Hmm. Um, I prefer female pronouns. So she and her. Awesome. Now, Heather, because I know you're not only like you're not, you know, just someone and not that people who are just wrestling with this are just someone, but you all you (laughs) wrestle through this, but you also teach on this. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you then this follow up question as a teacher in this conversation isn't using preferred pronouns, isn't that agreeing with sin? I mean, you. I think there are, are, there are definitely arguments for that. But in my experience, like, and what I know of the heart of Jesus, like he always met people where they are. Mm-hmm. And like, even when he was out in the wilderness being tempted, like Satan offers him up the entire kingdom and he says no, and he goes and takes it man by man. And mm-hmm. so... I see Jesus meeting people where they are and saying, hey, if you need this to know that I am loving, then I will meet you where you are. Like I will be on the side of the sand that has us on the same side together and everyone else throwing stones at us. Mm -hmm. So in short, I think it's okay because it gives people, it restores to them the dignity of being an image bearer of God. Mm -hmm. Like there are people in my life that 
didn't call me by name for two years and by extension didn't use a pronoun when referring to me. And it's like, I don't know how you do that. But just, what you mean? They just like used a void. They just said, hello. They just said, yeah, they're just person. like, hi, how are you? Without any or, name. Like, yeah, no name and avoided using pronouns as best they could or would default to like gender neutral ones. Mm. Um, and it was like that just shut down all potential and all possibility for any relational connection. Cause it was like, mm. when you take away some, someone's name or someone's pronouns, you're taking away part of their humanity. And it's like, how can you expect to have any trust or like relational equity built yeah. if you're not even willing to refer to someone in a way that distinguishes them as human? Yes. Yep. And to not meet them where they are exactly right. at. And yeah. I think about even Paul, like using language, like when he's in Athens in Acts 17, he goes, I see you have this God, this unknown God idol here. Like he uses the language of the day to then talk about capital G God. But he first refers to God as little G God uh, in order to get some buy-in with the Athenians and then point to the one true God. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think like you, like the whole like names and pronouns and like bathrooms, it just adds so much distraction and white noise that keeps us from getting to the actual heart of the matter. It's like, yes. I want to talk to you about like how much God loves you, but like not being able to say your name is just like this massive roadblock that prevents anything yes. deep from happening. Yep. It's not using the missional language. So you're, yeah, exactly. If you can't see this as, okay, I'm going to go learn a different language to go to a foreign country and be a missionary there. So why can't you in this country use the language that is preferred in order to earn that relational currency equity in order to um, speak heart to heart? Okay, so I want to get to your heart, deeper places, although this is fruit of that. Um, but before we do that, another kind of clarifying question. How do you, and again, listeners, if someone is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Heather, but if someone is referring to, hey, you know, I wrestle at some level with gender dysphoria, or you can kind of like tell they've, they've given you some context clues. You wouldn't just go up to a stranger and say, how do you identify? But they're kind of referring to that. Um, I would ask, hey, what, uh, so how do you identify? I'd ask which pronouns they use and ask how do they identify? So Heather, is it okay to ask someone that? And then how do you identify? Yes, it's absolutely okay to ask someone that. Um, it, most people feel very loved by it. Um, even if like you're totally off base and they're just like, I'm straight. It's like to, it's like, but you love me enough to ask. Like, that's awesome. Hmm. Um, so for me, honestly, like I have a hard time identifying really as anything relating to my gender because I think God has so wanted me to focus on the fact that I am Heather, like because I, I had this like almost other, not alternate, but like other identity when I was, when I had transitioned, he really is just like, you are Heather. And like, that's what I want you to grasp. Or, in, or in like understand on a heart level first and foremost. And so I haven't really been able to like, like, yes, technically I struggle with gender, wrestle with gender dysphoria, but in terms of like how I identify, I feel like he just stops me at, I am Heather. Okay. 
thank you, helpful. But then two, and again, guys listening in on even these questions I'm asking, um, hopefully, and I'm, I'm asking them kind of like black and white because I do know Heather, but I'm trying to display too how we can ask questions. But Heather, what do you mean by that when you say you have, like you just identify as Heather? Does that mean you don't, like, but you also say you take female pronouns. Do, do you see yourself now as female yeah, I do. And like that has been a journey with God. But I think it's really easy for my heart to like elevate gender and be like, I am only like defined by like the stereotypes and like assumptions that I have about femininity or about mm-hmm. what I'm not because I'm not masculine or male. Mm-hmm. And so like, yes, yes, I identify as female. Um, but in terms of like how I would introduce myself or like the labels that I associate with myself, I kind of just subtract gender dysphoric or transgender from them, uh, mm-hmm. even though like I could fit like the criteria for it. Does that make sense it, and, and clarify? It makes sense to me if, if this is what you mean by it. Do you mean if I, so yes, I see myself as female and feminine, but the Heather version of female and feminine, and you're choosing not to claim gender dysphoria or transgender because I don't know. It sounds like maybe you can make an idol of them. Yeah. Like I think it gives it like a lot of, it just like, I think it creates more stereotypes in my head of what I'm supposed to be like. Like if I'm identifying as gender dysphoric or like as transgender, it's like in my mind, that's just fitting. Like it's taking one set of assumptions and stereotypes and cultural things and just replacing them with another. Yeah. And God has had me so deconstructing all of that and him being like, Hey, what do you like to wear? Or like, what do you want your hair to look like? And I'm like, I just want it to look like Heather's hair or like a way that's like, this is my personality. This is my attire. This is my expression of who I am, not of this gender that put that like helps people understand how to categorize me. So you neither want to sink into female or feminine stereotypes, nor do you want to sink into transgender or gender dysphoria stereotypes? Basically, I think, yeah, um, because like I just I want it to be something that like God and I can just yes. like walk through and figure out like because I'm going to break all sorts of boxes and I want to have as much clarity to like hear and just like be myself, mm. I guess, and like see how he see like the person he's creating me to be with all of like this distraction and other stuff kind of set to the side. Okay. I got it. Like as I think as much as I can understand, I think I understand. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. I hope that's clear. I know it's kind of like this abstract thing that if you don't have the experience to like go with it, it's kind of like, yeah, what? Yeah. Well, and and if I can jump in, because so often in this conversation, we like to talk in these kind of global boxes, these overarching, you know, which category are you? Mm -hmm. And rather than focus on which box or boxes you could fit into, you're, you're just saying, okay, put the boxes aside. I'm focusing on me. Yeah. And, and that's something that I've seen with, with clients as well, where, you know, let's say they're wrestling with their gender at some level and they go shopping and they find something that would, that they really like but that would be like stereotypically something a cisgender person would wear. They they have hesitation about like even trying it on because of how 
you know, the transgender community would would re- respond to them um, and, and vice versa. If there's something that they're like really liking yet the the cisgender, you know, the, the Christian church or whatever, their parents are going to think about them. They, so they get caught in this place where it's like, well, I can't buy anything that I like, so I don't even know what to do. Which listeners real quick, and Heather, I'd love for you to respond. Cisgender, which is what Matt just said, it means those who align with their biological sex. So their gender identity and their biological gender, born gender, they match. And so anyway, Heather, what did you think about what Matt said? I that I think that sums it up pretty well of like, yeah, like I'm on this journey to figure out who I am. And like, I don't, I just don't want anything else like telling, like I've had enough of people telling me who I am and how mm. I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to look like that to just be like, no to all of that and be like, I need to figure out who I am. And like, yeah. this is me. And like, yeah, it's that journey of like, I am who I'm trying to discover. So like, I need to be listening to me and God and like the people in my life who have mm-hmm. given permission to speak into those areas. Yep. Amen. Yep. And that makes a lot of sense for a thousand reasons, but I want to dive into how, how did you get to this place, Heather? Uh, I met you a couple of years ago and just, I sent, I saw you in the crowd at a conference and I was like, I just sensed the spirit saying, you need to go ask her story. And so I was like, okay. So I, I asked you your story and I was blown away. So what is some of that story of where, how you got to this place of God, this is who I believe you made me to be, help me to be more of who you made me to be. Yeah. So I'll start mostly in the middle without getting into a ton of the background. So when I was in college, my senior going into my senior year, um, I was experiencing a lot of um, mental health issues and a lot of like a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety and a lot of like social anxiety and just insecurity and self-hatred and just all of these things that made it really hard to show up for my life. Hmm. Um, And I've. I knew it, I had identified at that point in my life that I was attracted to women um, and I had come out as gay that summer, but it never really felt like the full that covered everything, um, like alleviated some of my depression. But it was kind of like I'm trying this hat on and it fits a little bit better than the hat that I was wearing before, but it still is like a little too like snug, basically. And so the people in my life who were non-Christians um, had they weren't afraid to go to those places in conversation with me about like, why do I feel really insecure wearing women's clothing? Why do I like cringe at who I see in the mirror? Hmm. Why do I like dream about wearing men's clothing? Why do I like just wish I could be like accepted into masculinity? And I finally like decided that I was going to try transitioning, not try in like a lighthearted way, but in a, this is the only solution that has been offered that offers any sort of promise of alleviating the distress that I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do it. Um, so I started off that fall, it was was fall 2015 and I was in my, it was just decided that in my classes, I was going to introduce myself as Jamie and use male pronouns. And my thought was, I can do this for four months. Um, If it doesn't work, I'll just never see these people again. I was at a big university. Like the odds of me having overlap with anybody in class was very slim. And I started changing some of my wardrobe. And the, the relief that I experienced 
it wasn't like instantaneous, but it was really, really, really fast. Hmm. Um, I began to like feel just like this burden lifted. Like I was able to like parts of my personality that I had kept hidden started to come out. Like I was way more playful. I was way more outgoing. Um, I was able to get off my antidepressants and just like able to show up for parts of my life. It wasn't about survival anymore. So I was able to show up to parts of my life and actually be present for them Mm -hmm. instead of constantly focusing about just like, how am I going to make it through this next moment? Wait, can I ask a question? Uh, Oh yeah. Okay. So you're, you know, Jesus, you grew up in a Christian home. You had already had your come to Jesus time at school. Yes. So I was already a Christian for about two years at this point. Okay. So you had this like wake up to the spirit and then you're still wrestling with gender. So just, you know, just listeners, you know, it's not just for non-Christians or people who don't know Jesus. Okay. And you're wrestling and you're really, truly wrestling. And we've said this in the last episode that we did on gender, that this like gender dysphoria pain is not interchangeable with like lusting. This is like genuine Mm -hmm. pain. It's more interchangeable with like anxiety, depression. So you're really wrestling. Is there anything that someone could have said in that season, like a parent, a friend, a Christian mentor who could have just been, who could have looked you in the eyes and been like, Hey, this isn't wise. Would you have listened to them? Probably not which is not the answer I think a lot of people want to hear to that. But for me, um, if people were there and like able to like sit in this conversation with me and feel like the pain that I was feeling alongside me, Mm -hmm. it might have, I think, prolonged my decision to, or not, or postponed, not prolonged, postponed Mm -hmm. my decision to transition. Um, So like asked what sort of question? I think just like being, so I'll, let me share like okay. what, yeah, please. like, so, yeah. so like the things that people like said to me initially was like, well, I don't know how to love you anymore. Ooh. And I was like, well, you didn't know how to love me in the first place then because things are getting hard now and mm. you're uncomfortable and backing up. And yeah. so, or, um, I think trying to slap an identity in Christ Bible verse on it without being willing to sit in proximity to my distress and anxiety. Mm. So it'd be like, well, you're made new in Christ or like read these passages, like you're a beautiful daughter of God, Um, Mm. like trying meaning well, but without like the, wow, how are you doing? Are you okay? Like, do you have a safe place to talk? How, what does it look like for you to talk to God about that? Do you even talk to God about that? Do you want to talk to God about that? How do you think God feels about that? And just sort of taking the time to probe my heart and be like, let's assess and see how you're doing and go from there. But that's messy, Heather. And that makes <laughs> us not have to be God <laughs> because we know what's best for your life and we're scared. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> But it does. There is trust. Guys, I've, I've walked yeah. somewhat, not every bit with a few people wrestling with gender. And it's terrifying because you think you you yeah. honestly, it shows our own discomfort because we're like, I don't know what they're going to choose. They might totally yeah. transition. They might do this. But can we grip who are walking alongside someone wrestling with this? Can we grip the hand of the father and simply sit in someone else's mess with them and just yeah. be? So that you said that that might have helped in that season, at least, you know, maybe made this time, the decision a little longer. Yeah. And, and even just teaching me how to like interact with 
with God mm-hmm. in a more personal way. Cause I was still a new believer when I began a relatively new believer when I was wrestling through all of this, I didn't know how to hear from God on like a personal level. I didn't know how to like let him into like the painful and hurting and dark places of my heart. Yeah. Re- like not even just gender wise, but like codependency, anxiety, insecurity, self-hatred. Like I didn't know how to, how to access the heart of God in those places. Mm. So like to teach me how to hear from God myself and then move forward from there. Like, I think that's like, that's something that I think is really missing in a lot of relationships walking, like people trying to walk with LGBT people or LGBT Christians. Yes. Oh, so important. So you said, okay, you started to dress more masculine uh, and you decided, so you had gone to a therapist, a doctor and said, I want to transition. And they said, okay. Basically. So I had, well, I had been in therapy for a while and, um, I started going to see a psychiatrist to get, um, on antidepressants. And so you do the periodic check-in, how's it going, whatever. And, um, I started sharing about like what I was feeling and we went down the checklist in the DSM five about like the symptoms for gender dysphoria. And I met enough of them to warrant a clinical diagnosis. Cause there's like, there's clinical gender dysphoria. And then I think there's a, like the term gender dysphoria, I think is being used more broadly and, yeah. and validly to just describe that misalignment, regardless of the severity. Yep. Um, but mine was severe enough to like warrant a clinical diagnosis. And so he was like, I will write you a letter of recommendation to get into an endocrinologist if that's what you want, but you have to go down this informed consent process. So like, here's all of the things that may or may not be affected permanently or temporarily if you're on testosterone. Mm -hmm. So it was like my voice dropped and that's one of the permanent changes, but like body fat and muscle mass shifts and changes, but that goes back if you get off of it. So just Mm -hmm. being like, here's everything that could go wrong if you choose, if you choose to accept it. And I was like, that sounds better than what I'm dealing with right now. So great. Yeah. Yeah. So you go, you begin this process and then Mm -hmm. what? So I started on hormones that December, uh, 2015 still. And I remember asking, sorry, how old were you? I, um, 22, 22. Okay. Yep. So I remember asking God like, okay, like God, if this isn't what you want it to want me to do, then just start closing doors. Like I like just make it impossible for me to pursue this and we'll like call it good. And I just won't do it. Um, but I had the easiest time getting into an, into my endocrinologist, like from letter of recommendation to, um, first appointment where I got my prescription should have been months. And it took me maybe like six weeks. Mm. And so I just, what I perceived to be kind of permission from God to move forward with transitioning even more, um, kind of gave me like this, this new hope that like, okay, like here's my solution. We're going to do it. Um, And so I started taking testosterone that December and I was on it for about a year and a half. And I just remember feeling like that little bit of relief that I had felt just from changing clothes, names and pronouns just 
exponentially magnify. Um, Mm. Like as my voice dropped, my friends, like my non-Christian friends were like, oh my gosh, like second puberty, like we're going to throw you like a second puberty party. And like, you're finally like stepping into this new identity and it's amazing. And we see you becoming so much happier Mm. and we love that. And we're so, so, so thrilled that you're getting to do this for yourself. Like this is such an act of self love is basically um, how it was talked about. Hmm. Um, and so I took, I lived as a trans guy for about two years and, um, I ended up fully socially transitioning. So I changed my name legally. I changed my, changed my gender marker legally. And, um, I was fully out. So everybody knew that I had gone from Heather to Jamie. Uh, my family did, my friends did, my coworkers did. Um, and so life was like, life was good. Like when I share my story, I, I try to really communicate the importance that like of the relief and the essentially like what I thought was freedom that I had experienced. Like you can't like it's I don't want to minimize that at all. And so like it was such a relief and I was finally able to like look at who I saw and be like, you know, I kind of like that person. Finally, Mm -hmm. like I can actually like see myself and say, wow what I see is good. Um, but, and so I decided to start pursuing top surgery and the process for that was similar to hormones. So like getting another letter of recommendation for my therapist, doing the whole informed consent process, um, and kind of scheduling appointments with surgeons and getting all of them, all of their information and all that stuff. And it was in February of 2016 that I ended up having top surgery. Um, and around that time is when I felt God starting to poke me a little bit. And I Mm -hmm. started to question, because I think, I think what started it was like surgery, like I could live with my voice being deeper, but surgery was like one of those, this impacts my forever. Like if Mm -hmm. I have surgery and I regret this, like that impacts my ability to like go back and still be able to like live as a woman and kind of not be marked by like this journey Mm. and like, who knows how it affects my kid. Like it might affect having kids in the future. Like we just don't know. Um, and so I started to doubt a little bit, but I really was like hopeful that surgery was going to be like this icing on the cake. Like I think often for the trans, at least trans guys, um, surgery is kind of the, this is the thing that will make everything else. Okay. And so I was like, so hoping that this doubt was just coming from being scared of such permanent change, but like the hope would outweigh that. Mm. Um, but I remember the first time I looked down and saw my chest, I just had this sinking feeling of this is not what I was hoping it would be like, Mm. it's good, but this is surface level. Like, this is not what I was looking for. But at the same time, feeling like everybody has championed me so much, it's going to be so hard to tell them that I was disappointed in my choice when like I had to go fund me to help me pay for surgery. I had people like 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 people wanting to like come with me down because I had it in Cleveland. So like wanting to come with me and for my post-op appointments and helping take care of me. And it was just like so much pressure. Yeah. Of, like this was supposed to be it. And it's not. Mm. So how did you, Heather, discern that that doubt and that check in your spirit was the voice of God 
versus what you thought was the voice of God championing you by making it all easy? It took some time. Like it didn't happen until after surgery. Like I, so I had to, honestly, I had to hit rock bottom and, and you hit rock bottom when you stop digging. And so I just kind of had to get to a point where I was tired of digging. Hmm. And so after I, um, after I had surgery and kind of was recovered enough to get back to day to day life, like I noticed my behavior start to spiral again. So I started obsessively exercising, obsessively, like compulsively watching what I was eating. Essentially I developed an eating disorder or at least disordered eating. And, um, I was drinking and to numb the pain and just doing all of these really unhealthy tendencies all at once. Mm. And so I think still, especially with the food and exercise in hopes of attaining this perfect body of like, maybe I can do something that will alleviate this self-hatred because my dysphoria was shifting to non-gendered parts of my body. So like, I was just like really disgusted by my legs or by my stomach. Mm. And so I was like, surgery didn't solve it. Hormones didn't solve it. Maybe this is something deeper than just hatred of my gender. Like this is a much deeper self-hatred than anything I could have ever imagined. So was that hole in your heart? Like, you you know, exactly. (laughs) We could throw that around, but like, and and laugh about it, but really it's a black hole. Like if we are not putting all of our suffering and all of our joy and all of our hope and all of our everything looking, bringing it to God, the only one who could fill it. Like it just leads to what you're describing is idolatry. So how did you come back to the, or it's not even come back because it's not like you weren't a Christian, which whatever, let's not dive into that like faith thing, but it's not like you didn't know Jesus, but how did you really, I guess, submit yourself, all of yourself to him again. Yeah. So once I hit the, hit the point of being in this place of, I'm an absolute train wreck and Mm -hmm. I, and not only am I a train wreck, I recognize that I'm a train wreck. Um, it softened my heart to maybe like this answer that I got from the world, not just the LGBT community, but like the world meaning the things that try and steal, kill and destroy, um, that are not give that the the opposite of the way, the truth and the life. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was like, that answer didn't work. So maybe there's something in like this whole God thing. Like I was, I was so confident that I still was a Christian, like, and I still never doubt that like God's spirit left me or anything. Like I know that Jesus was with me this whole time. Um, and so he softened my heart to start going back to church and I emailed some churches in, in the Ann Arbor area. And I was like, Hey, um, I'm a trans guy would love to come to your church and be part of the children's ministry and part of a community group and serve on the worship team. Hmm. What do you say? Wow. (laughs) And yeah, because it's like, I'm going to come out now because if y'all are going to be a jerk in six months, let's just get that out of the way now. Yep. And so there was this one church in particular that was like, hey, no problem. Um, come be part of the team. We will handle all of the hard conversations with parents about the children's ministry or with families about the worship team. Like we see that God is moving in your life. And honestly, like you just want to get to know him. Mm-hmm. So like we will remove all of the things that are unnecessary and that are just going to get in the way of that. Okay. Whoa, wait. Okay. That's amazing. A million questions. Okay. <laughs> you didn't say though, because there's churches right now who'd get that email and you probably did. And they'd be like, ah, 
freaking out and maybe being like, oh, no, but is is this this trans guy? Is he you know, he didn't even repent yet and we're not going to let him in. Like, because had you said, I actually don't think this is great, these choices I made. Or were you just like, I'm a trans guy. Can I come? The second one. (gasps) And they were just yeah. I like I like when I hear about like people's horror stories with churches, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, like my church was like, I am just so blessed because like they were just unashamed, like unafraid of welcoming me in. Like, and, um, and they even said, they they were like, most people in our church would say that if you're born a woman or born female, you, you are a woman and that's God's design for you. Mm -hmm. But like, we're telling you that. So, you know, yeah, not because they're trying to force that on you. We just don't want you to be surprised when you show up. Mm -hmm. So they were clear about both their perspective, but also their welcome. Yeah. And I never felt like, like every time I would see um, one of the elders, he would always give me the biggest hug and say, (laughs) I love you. What do you need from us? And I was just like, am I allowed to respond to that? Like you actually love me. You want to hug me and you're asking me what I need. Like that just I was ready to come in guns a blazing playing the victim because I was like wounded by the church or wounded by Christianity. And they gave me no opportunity to do that. (laughs) Well, we have no words on this side. So can you keep just going (laughs) with your story? (laughs) Sure. Okay. Um, So in this space of getting involved in the community group and worship team and just getting back plugged into church, I felt God leading me to really dig into my gender. Um, And so I started going to look up like just things about what it meant to be like a man and woman of God, because I was like kind of going back to square one. Hmm. And he led me to um, he led me to some ministries and just their blogs and podcasts online and just kind of digging into like, what do these people say about what it means to be a man and woman of God? And a lot of it was like the core questions that our hearts ask. And Hmm. they one in particular said that a core core desires of a woman's heart are to one of them was like to be delighted in. Mm. And that just like hit me. I was like, yes. And I, and no, because I hate my answers. Yes. But like, (laughs) I want someone to look at me and say like, you just bring me joy surely for existing. Like you are a delight. You are beautiful. And like it tapped into this part of my heart that had been softened Mm. and Um, in this time I had been applying to law school and I was going to go do like, I I got a full ride and I was going to go do like trans advocacy, like all of these things to help represent like marginalized populations. And I felt God say, turn down this full ride. Hmm. And I was like, okay, like that doesn't make any sense. But like, I was starting to get used to hearing God's voice again. And so I was confident that I was hearing from Jesus. So I turned it down. God. And then (laughs) I know. Right. Yeah, Yeah. And the next day God asked me, Well, he asked me two questions. One was, why are you settling for your brokenness? And I was like, right. And I was like, again, I'm confident in hearing from God, but I'm pretty sure that I don't actually have an answer. But he basically showed me like, you have this feeling that your femininity is defective and you're pushing it to the side so you don't have to address it. So it's not painful. But do you know that I offer wholeness? Mm. And I just remember being like, no, God, I don't. Can you please prove it? Like, I'm going to need you to prove this because like 
you're going to like basically challenging him, which like maybe not the best idea because <laughs> then he asked me to go to a women's conference that October. Oh, snap. And I know. And I, but it was that whole, again, I'm confident I'm hearing from God. And so I emailed the ministry that was putting it on and I said, Hey, I'm a trans guy. I feel like God is asking me to go to your women's conference. What do you say? And they responded by saying, um, welcome, like you can have your own room and no extra charge. Like we see that God is doing something in your life. And it was that whole, we want to remove anything that could potentially be distracting. So like have your own room and just like come and like meet with God in a way that is going to like speak to your heart and that is going to like increase your intimacy and increase your relationship with him. Okay, what? Okay, I need to pause a second. Because if at some point in this story that you've been telling us, if the church had done crossed arms, no, 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 you are Heather. You do not use male pronouns. You have not transitioned. You are not welcome. That would have put a big blockade in your story. And if if people hadn't just started, it sounds like at your church, sat with you in the mess and just been with you. And yet also in that sitting with you and accepting in you and the whole Romans 2, 4, kindness, tolerance and patience of God that leads to repentance, like that mm-hmm. started cracking open your heart and cracking open your ears. And then someone could have crossed their arms. No, you are. What? We don't even know. You don't even have a category, which I don't even want to speak that over you right now, Heather. So like, <laughs> I don't put that power. But you know, like they could have said you don't have a category you don't belong in the men's ministry or women's ministry you can't come here they could have crossed their arms and said no 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 but instead they said we are going to remove barriers for your heart not your pronouns not your external whatever's going on we want your heart to meet with jesus that's bananas i know and i look back and i'm like this is crazy that so many people like i don't know how i managed to find like the four people at that time who were like somehow knew what to do with trans people in the church but i think i found all of them (laughs) and and so i went to this women's conference and by that so that was i had emailed the ministry like i don't know may june of 2017 and um I felt God poking me with my, like poking the parts of me processing gender a little bit more. And I realized that I had this security blanket of hormones. It was like, if I get off testosterone, I'm going to fall back into my depression. I'm going to fall back into my anxiety. I'm going to fall back into self-hatred. And I just cannot do that. Like the, the progress I've made is too much to let go of. And, um, my therapist, I like was processing through this with my therapist and community. And I felt like the, I like basically what the conclusion that I came to is if I get off hormones, I can always go back on them. Hmm. Like it's a weekly, it's a weekly dose. If something happens, I can just start up again and reassess. But I felt like I was supposed to stop taking testosterone. So I hmm. stopped, I got off hormones in July and, um, which granted it takes like two months for your body to metabolize the rest of the hormones. So like the effect was sort of, it was a very slow change back. Um, but come October, by the time I was going to this women's conference, like I had been off hormones for like, I don't know, a month and a half. And, but I still looked, I hadn't changed any of my clothes or anything. I still looked really masculine. Mm-hmm. So I show up at this women's conference and God just wrecks me. Um, the message that I remember most clearly was called your new name. And the whole premise of it is that we take on names based on our wounds. And I had been operating out of, um, the names like defective femininity, hard to love pain bringer. 
And in the response time, we had the opportunity to ask God for a new name. And I felt the name that he gave me was Daddy's Girl. Mm. And yeah, it just, I think I cried for like three or four days straight. Like it just did like the thing that I needed to hear was that I was my daddy's girl. Like wow. it just, I, I just knew at that moment, like, wow, all of this has been leading up. Like God has spent like the last year getting my heart ready to tell me how much he loves me. Not that I'm sinning, not that I'm a, an abomination. He's getting me to the place where he can just tell me so deeply how much he loves me. Ugh. Ugh. Okay, again, thank you. And I need to look at the audience again because so much of the work, and this is just affirming to, I feel like even Matt and I just hearing your story because so much of the work that we do in walking alongside people and doing like our journey while workshop, it's really trying to teach people how to listen to God and then sit with them in the mess and listen to God with them, uh, with yeah. the Bible over our eyes and ears and mouth so that we can be discerning and we can know, okay, is this the voice of God or not? But you, someone could have told you that and slapped you across the face essentially with, no, your daddy's girl, like a year before. But mm -hmm. you heard it from both, you heard it by people accepting and loving you in the mess. And then you heard it from God, which all mm -hmm. of us in this room and everyone listening, those are the moments like when someone either speaks through God or just in the quietness of your heart, those are what change us. And it is at a heart level and not at a pronoun level. So good grief. Heather, what did that message do and how is that affecting your today? The message of dad being daddy's, your daddy's girl. girl. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So after that conference, um, I, I knew what I had to do. So part of me was like, Oh my gosh, I'm my daddy's girl. That's amazing. And then the other part of me was like, crap, mm. I know what I have to do now. Like, here's where the heavy lifting and hard work actually happens. Yep. Like I, the hardest part of my walk with gender has been post that conference undoing all of this stuff, grieving. Oh my gosh, there's been a boatload of grief. Um, but what it really, it set the foundation for like, God never told me what to wear. He never told me to change. And in that moment, like we've since had many conversations about clothing, but it, he never told me to change what I was wearing because he wanted to emphasize that first and foremost, my femininity resides in the fact that he calls me his daughter, not in the size of my chest, the depth of my voice, the clothes that I wear, the length of my hair. My femininity resides in the fact that I'm his daddy's girl and we're starting from there. Hmm. And so in this process of like rebuilding, redefining, relearning femininity, I can always come back to that place. That like when I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm wearing this and I have anxiety and I feel like I just want to hide in my basement. God's like, your femininity resides in the fact that I'm your daughter. You are not earning a seat at the table of femininity by wearing this. I'm set that place for you. Dang. And like, it just brings me back to square one every time I start to freak out because I still do like even today, yeah. but every time I can be like, no, like my femininity resides in the fact that my daddy calls me his daughter. Mm. Hmm. So if I can jump in, cause I mean, you were, you're talking and, and you're, you're saying like, okay, so you're at this women's conference and you get this name of daddy's girl and 
literally, and like I'm thinking the whole time that you're talking Revelation 2, the letter to the church in Pergamum in verse 17, it says, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven, and I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. And I I guess I just have this thought like, oh my goodness, it's like God actually gave you that white stone, Mm -hmm. that that your new name is Daddy's Girl, and, and it's not... It's not the name that your earthly parents gave you. It's not the name that you chose from, you know, for your transitioning. It's it's a completely new name. Yeah, that was actually the passage that they based that whole message out of. Like the idea of like, this is between you and the Father. Mm. And you and the Father alone. Oh, man. Heather, I'm I'm just thinking of, you know, you're saying, okay, I still have anxiety about clothes. I still have XYZ. And then I can picture the world jumping in right now into our conversation being like, well, okay, uh, you need to transition. You need to take testosterone. But you went as far as you could and it still wasn't enough because that's Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, what idols are is they just keep asking you for more and more and more take until they're stealing. And it says, Paul says that we are a slave to whatever controls us. And so even though the world promises life there, it led to death. And so it sounds like you are discovering it, it, it didn't take it all away. This is still painful, a painful place for you, but it sounds like you're discovering there's more, joy and freedom and peace and a lack of anxiety in suffering well. Is that true? Yeah. The emphasis on the well, though, mm-hmm. I think it's so easy to um, not deal with pain properly. And like I have done this a million times, not like just avoiding it or stuffing it down or blaming it on God or whatever. Um, and so like if pain, if, if you suffer well, it eases it up. Mm. But I think, I don't know all, like there's a lot of factors that go into not suffer into suffering poorly. Um, a culture that avoids pain at all cost, instant gratification, just losing even like you, what you guys have talked about on this podcast, like losing the, the space of lament. Um, and so I think there's just so many factors that go into it, but if you suffer well, and I think even sit, like sitting in grief with Jesus and asking him where he was in those painful moments, like that sets you up for just like to not lose sight of who God is in those moments. Because if I can keep a right picture of God and his heart for me, when everything in me is telling me that he's not who he says he is, but if I can keep that, that idea, at least a glimpse of it correct, like, and true, like that will just orient me to like know how to deal with my pain. Mm. Oh, it's so good. So Heather, just to finish the story, it's it sounds like in that suffering well journey that I think, honestly, I think that's the secret of mature Christians is that they experience pain like everyone else. But I'm noticing the mark of a mature Christian is not that they don't experience pain, but that they grip Jesus as the storm Mm -hmm. of pain is swirling around him. That's the difference. So as you're gripping Jesus, 
as in this ever increasing glory that he's making you into. You made the decision then to go back to Heather as your, uh, you know, your given name and to female mm-hmm. pronouns. What was that like? It was terrifying. Um, I, I remember feeling, so I had built up this identity of Jamie and I loved Jamie. Everyone I knew loved Jamie. And there was still this, all of this self-hatred towards Heather. And I was like, people love Jamie, but like, are they going to love Heather? Am I going to love Heather? Are we going to, or like, it was, there were just so many unknowns. Cause I never really had like been joyful in my experience as Heather. And so going back, it was like, and even just like, I was worried that the church was going to reject me, that the LGBT community was going to reject me and I was going to be left all alone. It was just going to be me and Jesus on an island, like whatever. But I think it's, I started small, like I started very small, just like starting at work and then with some close friends. And then I started with my, I I went for the Christian friends first and like going back to living as Heather um, because I knew they'd be excited. And then my, the lastly, I like, like told or re came out to my LGBT friends and non-Christian friends. Um, but it was really terrifying. Just it's super vulnerable to be so confident about a decision and say, I'm going to transition. Please don't argue with me because I'm 100% of the time on the defensive because everybody is questioning my decision. So just please don't even tell me that I'm wrong because I'm not to, I was wrong. And I just really need you to not tell me that I was wrong. Wow. Like, I know I was wrong. I know how wrong I was for me. Like, I don't want to like, just with how intimately God had spoken to me, it was like, that could have like the people that I shared that with could have very easily been like, ha, we told you so like victory is Jesus is, (laughs) or they could have been like, we thought you were really cool as a trans guy. Bye. And so just like, I felt like I was handing my like bleeding heart to them and saying, Hey, I hope you treat it well. Please don't throw it on the ground. Mm. And I just, I, yeah, like it was, it was probably the most difficult thing I've done. Mm. How did people receive you? For them, like everybody honestly received me really well. Like they had a lot of questions, but I think the message that I got across all of my communities was, we love you for you. Don't care about your name. I mean, we care about your name, but like, again, it's like a behavioral thing. We care about your heart. And like, as long as like you feel whole as a person, then like we are supportive of your choice. Yeah. Oh man, Heather, I want to ask like a hundred more questions um, (laughs) because this is, it's just such a huge conversation and it can go on and on. So we're going to keep having this conversation. Maybe we'll have you back. I don't know. But if you guys want to connect with Heather, we can, we can do that. You can contact us at podcast at HIMHministries.com and I'll ask you, Heather, if that's okay. Um, Can they connect you? Okay. Well, Heather, the last question I have for you is someone who's listening, friend came out to them hey, I am, I'm trans, or I actually, I'm gen, I'm non-binary, or blah, 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 the whatever letter, whatever they're saying, and this person is freaking out. What's the best response? I think first and foremost, one, I love you. Two, thank you so much for trusting me. Three, are you okay? Like, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then go from there. 
Mm. Like, and I think the will, like just being willing to put yourself in discomfort, whether it's talking about gender and faith in order to help someone like come to terms with it or just even be known, have a space to talk, like whatever their need is being willing to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation to speak love over somebody. Mm. Um, and I think it's, again, I, I also think it's really easy to like jump to like, this is the worst thing ever, or this is the most exciting thing ever. But I found that it's really helpful. Once you know how someone is doing, you know, what type of response they're ready to hear. So if it's like, I'm going to transition and they're excited about it. You can gauge your response on that, or I'm going to detransition and I'm excited about it. You can be with them where they are without being like, oh my gosh, am I coming across too strong? Mm -hmm. So like the really being like, how are you doing? Are you okay? Like, thank you for sharing. Like, I see that you trust me. Like that just kind of sets you up to know where to go from there. Mm-hmm. And if people are excited, you don't have to say, I'm so excited. You can say, you seem so excited. Tell me about exactly. That. You don't yeah, have to say, just, I also am if you aren't, cause you're probably not, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. But being like, wow. Like, yeah. Like you are so excited. Like, tell me what about that makes you so excited or mm-hmm thank you so much for sharing this exciting part of your life with me. Like it's so easy to stay with someone and it's so hard, but it's so simple. It's not yep. easy. It's hard, but simple to stay with someone in their celebrations. Even if like, it's not something you think you should be celebrating. They're still a person. Yep. And guys, you never have to fear. Like, do you see how Heather's story went to probably people gave up maybe along the way. And they're like, well, lost cause. And I hope they didn't. Sounds like God brought awesome people alongside you. But they, but to stay alongside her because you guys know idolatry is idolatry. Like trying to fix this right now suffering, it, it, it doesn't lead, it's not going to lead to hope and the fulfillment of her heart. And so if for us to stay with people where they are at through the storm and next to them in the storm, when they hit that point where Heather was, where it's like, actually, I do actually have some questions now about gender. If you can be there in that moment and point not to, ha ha, Jesus has the victory, but to let's look at Jesus for your heart. What is he saying to you? Be there for that journey for that moment, which likely will come. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Yes to all of that. Well, praise God, Heather. Thank you for your testimony. Um, and I mean that. Like, thank you for your story and for gifting us and this audience with it. For sure. I have, I just, yeah, I love the work that you guys do. And it's been such an honor to be able to have a conversation with y'all. So I appreciate it. Mm, Thank you. And guys, like uh, Heather gave us permission to do, if you want to connect with her, hit us up at podcast at HMHministries.com and we can connect you. Um, And also Heather is working, like I said, with Ty at Walls Down Ministry and you can find him at wallsdown.org if you're interested in the training that they do. Uh, and we're going to link some other things. Just Heather provided us with some, your favorite podcasts and things that, uh, have supported you. And if there's any books that have helped you with gender, et cetera, we would love to, to connect people who are listening to, to better understand that. But Heather, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you guys. It was a blast. And for all of you listening, question of the week for next week, 
What's your current life song? What song describes the season of life you're having? Or maybe even just the day. I don't know. We'd like to hear that and maybe we'll play a little ditty. But guys, for all of us here at That Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you next week. I need to raise this mic up, yes. not drop it. That's, that's you just raise me up. I do raise the mic. Um, yeah. Okay. Steve, yes. you hear a good story? I do. So, Matt has a good story. Wait, <laughs> I'll start it. Okay. I lost my Apple Watch yep. at some point okay. on Sunday. Yeah. I went for a run. I had it on my wrist. And then I come home and crazy kid chaos. Sure. And then uh, we go apple picking, and then a couple days later, I'm like, oh, where is that thing? Don't know where it is. Got so desperate to the point where I promised my girls <laughs> their Christmas presents early, which are wow. welly wishers, which are kind of like, like American almost girl dolls. American girl oh, dolls. Okay. They're under the like sub head, but they're like the cheaper version. <laughs> okay. okay? That's yes. we can aff- and from Costco, because that's what we can afford. <laughs> okay. But so they don't know. They don't know. They don't care. They love that crap. Right. Okay. <laughs> so then Matt today, I'm at work. And then Matt, what do you do? Um, so we, we haven't found the watch. Right. And I'm just like, hey, girls, let's let's start looking for the watch. And we search everywhere. Whole house. Can't find anything. And we were like, give up. And Gwen, meanwhile, is pestering me. Dad, draw a map. Draw a map. I'm like, draw a map of what? She's like, Gulf Shores, because that's where we went on vacation last year. Right. I'm like, okay. I don't know that I can do that, but I'm yeah. just starting to draw a treasure map. I'm like, okay, look out the window. Hey, there's a tree. We're going to have to go around a tree. Then there's a mailbox. We're going to have to find a mailbox. <laughs> this <laughs> is just, parenting at its I'm finest. literally just, just looking around, finding <laughs> yeah. objects. Right, right. And then I'm like, oh, there's Alice's bouncy saucer thing. I'll draw that on there. Mm-hmm. And then a slide. And okay, well, we'll end up at the slides and the treasure will be, we'll get on the swings and we'll swing for a little bit and that'll be it. Wow. And so we go through the whole treasure map and I'm like, okay, and girls, you have to go down the slide to 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 get to the treasure and walk down to the end of like the bottom of the slide where they're going to be coming. And I look down on the ground and there is Lori's watch under the slide, under the slide in our backyard at the end of the treasure map. at the end. And I'm like, I look down and they, they slide. And I'm like, girls, look, Oh my goodness. There's actual treasure here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, I have no idea how it got there, but the no moral clue. of the story is Matt can prophetically draw yeah. treasure maps. He's a, I've never heard of a, prophetic cartographer <laughs> no but we have one right here that's a spiritual so is that, is that in my new intro <laughs> yeah. prophetic, prophetic cartographer, cartographer. yes and the argyle expert maker is that cartographer? yeah cartographer is a map maker, maker. Yeah, yeah. the map maker yeah um question is did the girls get their welly wishers yeah i called they totally did. i called like, laurie and it, was like no more we like facetimed <laughs> and like uh, then i got an unboxing video of them opening wow. the welly wishers and yeah it was worth it though that is quite the story that's a great story. And our levels are all set. Oh, good. So we're ready to go. <laughs>